You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lumid. And today I have the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Jessica Pinot. Jessica is a therapist and the founder of Tree of Life Behavioral Health in Alabama. Um, she is an autistic woman and writes about the struggles of being autistic A4 psychology today. She is a licensed professional counselor, certified trauma professional, uh, yoga instructor, and alcohol and drug therapist. So it is an honor to have her on the show today because we're going to cover a little bit of each of those things. So with no further ado, Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Uh, tell us about your journey and what led you to start the Tree of Life Behavioral Health. Um, I mean, I've always wanted to own my own private practice. So opening Tree of Life was kind of a an end goal for me. You know, when you're in psychology, you, you always start out in what's called agency work, right? Oh. Which is kind of a grind. So I started out with rape crisis and trauma and worked a lot of that. And Tree of Life has given me the opportunity to continue my work with trauma, but then also integrate into other things that I love working with, like autism. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell us about autism. So you've been diagnosed uh, most of your life. And no, go ahead. Well, um, so I'm kind of a typical woman. So I was diagnosed very late in life, and I even in grad school, how I was taught autism was kind of the stereotypical boy presentation, which is, you know, little boys who like trains and math a lot and are either nonverbal or talk incessantly about trains and math. And I didn't meet any of the criteria that I saw as I was trained. But in the last five to 10 years, a lot of women are speaking out and coming out and showing that presentation is very different for women. Mm-hmm. So figuring out that I was autistic by reading about how it presents specifically in women kind of changed my life. And that's when I did a hard shift from just trauma to trauma and autism. That's, that's my nice. Is. Yeah. That is nice. So how does it present in women? What are some of the, the things to look out for? So women actually tend to lean more hyperverbal. So we tend to do things like info dump, which a lot of people think means we have social skills. But just because I can talk to you for an hour about, you know, whatever it is I'm fixated on in the minute in the moment, which is highly variable, I will say, doesn't mean that I'm necessarily great at reading social cues or interpreting when I'm supposed to stop talking or start talking. So I definitely lack social skills. In women, what you want to look for is is we're really good at masking. So a lot of us, it's an internal struggle. Like externally, people think we seem normal, but we're exhausted after a couple hours of socialization because we have to work very hard to hide things like if we stem, if we have things like I have a lot of echolalia, I repeat. And I have to work very hard to keep my language the way it's supposed to be. Things like facial features, I have to work very hard to make sure I'm doing my face the right way. And I'm not saying things that might offend people. And I've had to learn that because it wasn't easy for me to figure out what I am and am not. 
supposed mm-hmm. to say at certain times. So I think the big thing in women is knowing that even though we a lot of times look normal, that comes at the cost of a tremendous amount of work. Also, it's important to note that our hyperfixations are different. Like where guys are sometimes trains in math, we can, I've known, I've had women clients that are hyperfixated in like psychology and other people can be animals. It can be celebrities. It goes all over the place, but it's not always just trains in math. It's not so cut and dry all women and because of that women get diagnosed i I mean i've heard the percentage is something crazy high get diagnosed a lot later in life because of that when my area of research as of late and my passion has been there's a huge intersection for females with autism and trauma because we lack the ability to read basic social skills and have read danger cues, for example. The study I did, we had 91% of my sample who had was late diagnosed with autism and assigned female at birth also had clinically diagnosable symptoms for PTSD. So mm-hmm. because we're diagnosed late, we're at risk for victimization, which is something that I want to push my work towards. Right. Tell us about the, the trauma. Why is that a passion of yours? Trauma. I started out at the Rape Crisis Center when I was 20 years old, right? So I was in the was the local Rape Crisis Center, so they did rape crisis and domestic violence. So from an early age, you know, for me, working with specifically women and children who've been beaten and abused has been really my calling. And I almost have always migrated in that direction. I mean, I certainly have some trauma history myself. No surprises there as an autistic woman. So as I worked in that field and expanded outwards, I just learned more and more about it. And then trauma mm-hmm. in general has become my passion, all types. Um, I've worked with combat vets. I feel like um, trauma is the most scientifically interesting from my perspective too. So it's not just a passion to help people, but the science behind trauma is amazing to study. It's complex and constantly growing. Polyvagal theory is one of my passions, which I won't explain here because I know we don't have that much time and it's very complicated, but it's about the autonomic nervous system and our responses to fear, which Mm -hmm. interestingly, autism also seems to have difficulties with autonomic nervous system responsibility. So yeah, I've just kind of fallen in love with the science in combination with the ability to help people using that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. And the response to fear is, do you come off as fearless? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so the autonomic nervous system has um, three general legs. One is how you respond to fear, sympathetic. So if I see a tiger, it tells me to run or fight. And then the parasympathetic that has two wings, which is one is shut down. So if I'm in a cage with a tiger, I shut down, right? So that I can survive being locked in that state of fear for a long time. And the last one is that safe feeling from the parasympathetic where I can connect to you and I can feel safe in an environment. So the problem with both trauma and autism is it's out of whack. So sometimes you're feeling safe at the wrong times and you're feeling in danger at the wrong times. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you're just shut down. And when you're shut down, you can determine, you can't really feel safety or danger. You just feel dead. Yeah. So the whole goal of treatment is to restore balance. So you can start feeling safe with the right people again and know when to run and not be trapped in that state where you constantly just feel flat. Yeah. It does. And that's crucial because at that state, you're 
pumping out a lot of cortisol. So it becomes super chronic and paralyzing. Yeah. And then you have people that are essentially non-responsive to a lot of things because they're chronically dissociated and detached from your body, which is why I got the yoga instructor certification too, because yoga helps you pull yourself back into your body and be present, pull yourself out of that dead dissociated state, which is one of the the best treatments for both autism and ironic. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how yoga, as simple as it is, um, help heal trauma. I mean, it's yoga is not is <laughs> not simple, but I mean the tr- what we use yoga for is simple, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we actually here at Tree Life, I hired a, a yoga therapist now, um, and that's all she does. So we have that leg; it's all yoga therapy, and a lot of what she does isn't traditional yoga. Like people think of yoga as you know, I'm going to get some great abs and. Mm-hmm. Uh, do a workout in the morning. Um, but a lot of what she does is breathing, different breathing techniques, learning to lay in certain positions and just sit in your body, pulling you back to the moment you're in. So as you begin to drift away in your mind, bringing you back into your body through certain verbal cues, it's not what you think of with Asana. Now she does do the body movements, right? Because that mm-hmm. does connect you with your body, but you don't have to be to do yoga for trauma, you don't have to be hyper fit or hyper in shape. You just have to be wanting to change and, and grow. If that and, makes and sense. It does. Yeah. And kind of getting back to, to the breath and being present. Mm-hmm. Of, that's the, the importance of it. Okay. Tell us um, how has your work, because you've been working with uh, some clients now and, you, and you're having your own practice. Tell us about the transformation that you see with the people you work with. I mean, the transformation I see has been a gift and it's been amazing because what um, what we do is so different, especially with autism, right? Because autism was always uh, focused on kids and focused mm-hmm. on kids that kids from the perspective of parents and researchers. So the primary drive was always to get them to act right. You know, so if they're stimming and acting weird and spinning around, even if they're not hurting anyone, that's annoying to adults and disruptive to the classroom. So the goal was always get them to act right, get them to be normal, whatever that is. I'm not sure. I've been a therapist so long. I don't think anybody's normal. (laughs) But, you know, so the new perspective that I've been working with, with the intersection of autism and trauma is let go of anything that doesn't hurt you or anyone else and allow yourself to just deeply be yourself. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, work on the things that are destructive to yourself. So, you know, through things like yoga, what is destructive to yourself is being disconnected from your body and being in a constant state of shutdown. So bringing yourself back into the moment. I've worked a lot with something called the safe and sound protocol and had, which is essentially reattuning the autonomic nervous system through um, muscles in the inner ear. And it's just listening to music. And I've seen tremendous results with that. And then using, of course, combinations of traditional CBT and something that's worked really well with my autistic clients is from a treatment protocol that I call DBT. And it's called chain analysis, where we just kind of break down people's, their thoughts and make Mm -hmm. them more organized. Cause a lot of times there's a lot of chaos. So, um, yeah, I've just been working with new treatments and the success rate has been really good. (laughs) And yeah, I've been really happy (laughs) to see people grow and change. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Tell us about some of the habits that you have put in place to allow you to show up for your clients. You know, let's talk about your morning routine. Well, I mean, I think routine, especially for people with autism, is one of the most critical elements. Um, We like structure for the most part, and we like everything to be orderly and tend to. One of the hallmarks of autism is, you know, change is hard for us. Mm -hmm. So for me, keeping the morning routine, even when I have big transitions, prevents me from shutting down or melting down. So my morning routine, even when I'm traveling, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how much chaos in my life, I wake up and do. So I usually do now I have a broken finger, so I haven't been able to do yoga as much lately, (laughs) but usually I wake up and do 15 to 20 minutes of yoga. And then I run anywhere between two and six miles most mornings. And I try to take a listen to your body approach to all of this. So I don't run like, like when I started running years, years ago, it was all about distance and, you know, being a marathon runner and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But now for me, it's all about, I run until my body tells me not to run anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I walk and just enjoy the sunset rise. And the, um, there are a lot of bunnies in my neighborhood and try to find flowers and things Mm -hmm. that me back into the moment and then beauty Mm -hmm. in the moment, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you're doing your yoga and moving the body and going for those runs. Anything else? Um, I mean, and then of course, you know, to me, just the general routine of I have kids. So, and I get home, get them ready for school. We, you know, we'll go through my son likes magic, the gathering. So we've gotten into a habit where we pick out different magic decks before he goes to school, which deck does he want to play with today? And then we, we head out the door. I also have been lucky that I got a service dog recently. So a lot of my morning routine has to do with him. And I feel like that's part of the gift of having a service dog because I have to get up and you know, we take him out to the bathroom before I even run because he runs with me. So yeah, taking care of him, making sure he's happy is a big part of that routine. Yeah, very nice. For service dogs, um, tell us a little bit about how that that has helped emotionally, because I know people who um, consider getting one, but don't really know what to expect on the other end. For me with him, what I love is that I have a lot of anxiety with um when there's a lot going on around me, I get overwhelmed. Like I think people think autism is all social anxiety. I do not actually have social anxiety. What I have is when there's too much, I, I don't know how to respond, right? So mm-hmm. the dog grounds me because what I focus on is him. So like if I'm in a very busy restaurant, for example, and there's a hundred people spinning around me, I can just focus on him and what he's doing and making sure he's taken care of. And then that hyper-focus allows me not to be panicking about what 300 people are doing behind me or, you know, the plate that just fell down and was too loud because all those things just overwhelm me. He also is good at keeping me on my routine, right? Because mm-hmm. I can't sleep past, there's no way I can sleep past four anymore because he will literally jump on my face. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, it's four. Don't you know it's time to get up and run? What are you doing? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very nice. Thank you for sharing because it, it, it sounds like it's it's really supportive um, when you get to that hyper focus to kind of help minimize all the outside stimulations that is coming at you. 100 miles per hour. Uh, Tell us, uh, Jessica, how can we connect with you? Where can we find you? 
I am on the Tree of Life Behavioral Health's website. So we're www.treeofhealthbehavioral.com. You can just email me is always the easiest way to reach me, which is jessica.pano at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all those things too. You know, my Instagram is mostly silly stuff and jokes about being autistic and weird and kind of accepting your weirdness, which has been my big push lately. Cause I feel like even with my neurotypical clients, the fact that I think one of the biggest stresses in life is trying to fit in with a society that doesn't necessarily fit with us Hmm. and finding your own rhythm. Cause most people aren't going to wake up at four and run, but you find your rhythm and you listen to your body. And that's where the happiness and peace comes from. Even if it's not what other people are telling you, you should be doing. Yeah. Cause everybody, each body is different. And so got to tune in. To, to hear that what works for you and so that you can stick to it. It makes it easier to stick to it if it's not forced. Yeah, you got to find your love. So yeah, my Instagram is mostly about just being silly and accepting that it's okay to be silly and weird. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I also have a Facebook group called Neurodiverse Women. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to find me there. Yeah, I'm all over the place. <laughs> you can just yeah. Google yeah Yeah. jessica it's been a pleasure having you on the show thank you for coming on and sharing with us today thank you for having me i appreciate it absolutely all right morning enthusiasts that's it for today's show thank you for tuning in if you love the best morning routine ever podcast we'd love to hear from you so go ahead and subscribe rate and give a review on itunes or google play while you're at it tell a friend about the show be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.